Thanks for taking a moment out of your time to listen to Discussing Who. Want more comic book-related content? Then check out the Discussing Who YouTube channel. It's all about discussing comics. Visit youtube.discussingwho.com and subscribe. Again, you can go there easily, youtube.discussingwho.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode number 73 of Discussing Who, and tonight we are going to be returning to Doctor Who, and we will be reviewing and discussing The Brain of Morbius, one of the fourth Doctor's most famous stories, actually, in especially some people's eyes. And who are those some people's <laughs> eyes? Not necessarily their brains. Maybe Lee Shackelford. How are you? I'm well, guys. How are you? I had a little bit of dental work earlier today, and I think I'm coming in and out of the um, anesthetic or whatever it is they put in your face, because one minute I'm like, oh, cool, and then the next minute it's like, eh. Yeah. So uh, I guess I'm infected with the brain of Morbius, maybe. Yeah. I know this is one of your favorites, is it not? It absolutely is, and uh, watching it again has reminded me why. Well, so. well good deal. I know, we'll, I know we'll get to that in just a minute, but sure. I want to also um, introduce our other co-host that's back with us tonight, Clarence Brown. Hey, Clarence. Hey, man. What's going on? It's going. How about you? Doing good, man. Glad to be on for another episode. Me too, me too. Um, interesting that we will be talking the first Tom Baker episode with him as the doctor, not as a cameo that you've seen. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, that's correct. All right. So, um, you know, for the sake of saying, why don't we just go ahead and say if you've not seen this particular serial, The Brain of Morbius, put us on pause, go out and get BritBox and or download it from iTunes, whichever you want to do, and watch it, and then come back. We'll be here. But otherwise, if you don't want to know, there are there are spoilers ahead. Spoilers. 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 All right. So, Lee. Tell us about the brain of Morbius. Well, I could write a book. Um, so where to where to start? We we want to talk about the show. We want to talk about this serial um, in terms of its place in the the canon, in terms of where it is, or just get into the story, or what? What do you what do you what do you want to talk about? Wh- whatever you two guys want, go for it. Because I'm curious, actually, for different reasons, but I'm curious to know what the two of you think. So, seriously, take it away. The Time Lords destroyed Morbius for his crimes here on Khan. There's something going on here, some dirty work. Time Lords are spineless parasites. Morbius offered them greatness once, but he was betrayed and rejected. They'll pay for that mistake, Kondo. Money is have returned from the grave. My followers will rise in their millions. 
It, this is a, a period, I think I'm saying this for, for Clarence's benefit, but maybe anybody else who's listening, um, uh, the longtime Who fans will, will know that this was a this is sort of a golden era, really, for classic Who. Uh, the producer is Philip Hinchcliffe, and we call this the Hinchcliffe era. And uh, he was a he was a great fan, and he knew that the there was a lot of overlap of the fandoms of uh, Doctor Who and um, the uh, the films made over at Hammer International, the horror films made over there, and uh, which gave us Peter Cushing among other things, and um, and Christopher Lee and all those films that they made together. So, um, oh, and one of my favorite uh, of the many, many films uh, based on Sherlock Holmes stories, uh, the, the Hammer, Hound of the Baskervilles, is one of my absolute favorites. So, um, But yeah, Hammer made a lot of scary movies on a low budget and, um, and really worked. And um, I, I think Hinchcliffe's idea was sort of, why can't we do that on TV? Why can't we do, why can't we do Doctor Who's like that? So... Um, Brain of Morbius to me is like the jewel in the crown because it's so obviously Frankenstein. Um, yeah. it's, it's very deliberately and carefully Frankenstein. And, um, uh, and that's, that's not, uh, that's not theft. That's homage. <laughs> you know, they're, they're having fun, uh, getting to do uh, Frankenstein over four parts and uh, doctor who, um, it is, I think some parts of this are genuinely scary and creepy. And uh, so this is one of those serials that uh, brought out uh, Mary Whitehouse and all of the others in that um, that uh, uh, social action block in Britain in those days who were saying this show needs to be flat taken off the air because wow. we've been saying for years this is not appropriate for tea time. Wow. And, you know, the BBC just keeps making it so, you know. Anyway, so um, so yeah, there were these uh, there were these uh, there was this group of women, largely women, uh, who were out to destroy the doctor. You might say. So one senses that they may be being mocked in this episode a little bit, <laughs> um, <laughs> and that may be what the Sisterhood of Karn is all about. We don't know. Um, stories written by Robin Bland. There's nobody named Robin Bland. That was a, a house name for. Um, for whenever a couple of, or two or three writers worked on a serial. So um, um, that's sort of what that's about, too. So you can't pin it on any one person. Um, but um, I don't know. I should shut up now because, uh, like I say, I, I can talk about Brain of Morbius forever, and that's probably not really helpful. <laughs> yeah, well, I kind of have a question I want to throw back at you guys. That would uh, be great. That's a great <laughs> <laughs> Please. You mentioned it coming off maybe scary or maybe not suited for quote-unquote tea time uh, for the era it came out in. And do we know the date? It uh, 1976 uh, is what I'm reading. So um, did you guys see it when it aired? And if so, <laughs> or the time you saw it first, I should say, did you think it was scary? Did it feel scary to you guys at all? Because I didn't really get that impression watching it. Of course, we're uh, several, several, several years removed from its air date, and times have changed a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're a lot tougher to scare these days. Um, yeah, I, I I I was fifteen when this came out, but I didn't see Doctor Who, you know, in America um, until I was in my twenties. Eh, no, I, I would have seen this not long after it aired, but um, but still, I was you know I was a teenager. But um, um, I just wasn't – I thought of the show as being such a safe place, you know, 
that when the yeah. uh, the unfinished Morbius monster sat up in bed, I, I do remember kind of being hoiked up out of my <laughs> seat and like, wow. Yeah. It, maybe some of that was just like, wow, I can't believe they did that on <laughs> British TV in the mid-70s, but, you know. Yeah, and just looking back, it's kind of crazy what we become used to or become accustomed to. And, you know, things that may have been terrifying, you know, so many years ago now is just like, eh, ho-hum, whatever, yeah. <laughs> no. you know, but I could I'm, definitely, I could definitely, you know, seeing, be, being back in that time, seeing this for the first time, I think it would probably have that same effect on me, you know. Sure. Well, like our friend Lewis uh, always says, you, you, you have to view these from the point of view of people in 1975, in this yeah. case, or 76, and you have to. And particularly, imagine if you're eight years old in <laughs> yeah, and you're you're the intended audience for this show, and then wow, um, yeah, yeah I, I definitely can see that. I'm teaching an intro cinema class right now to uh, you know to uh, my students are you know between 19 and 21 years old, and um, yeah, it's a tough sell for a lot of them when I tell them that uh, that there were some screenings of the 1933 King Kong where people climbed over each other to get out of the theater because of that. <laughs> I mean, they, well, they, well, they, cinema they, they was said, well, the time too. Well, you that's know. right. I mean, yeah. Movies as a phenomenon are only 30 years old at that point. I mean, you know, it's, and, and nobody has seen a, a colossal, you know, um, <laughs> anthropoid like that, you know, charging toward the camera. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. And, and, um, uh, it's one of the things my wife is writing about right now is that we, we, we laugh when people say that they, they thought that was real, but we all yeah. think that the things that we see on TV and movies are real on some level. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if you want to go to a little more modern times, CG that came out in 2000, you know, our trained, eye can see it now and be like, Oh, that looks like crap. You know, yeah. Yeah. it doesn't have the same polish it had, you know, right. 15 years ago, 17 years ago. So, yeah, I just I guess it's just kind of the advancement of of our thinking and our reaction to to the different special effects in media. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's we're a lot harder to fool now. <laughs> um, yeah. So, oh, go ahead. No, I was I was going to say, please. I hope you have more questions because. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if, well, first of all, I had to say the TARDIS looks like utter crap. Um, <laughs> Did it yes, always it does. look so bad in classic? Because no, it it comes and goes, but it's like uh, it it got somehow uh, uh, disused during the Pertwee era, and then um, I mean, it, 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 even as on the cheap as classic Who was, there were a couple of a couple of Tardises, if I understand this right. Um, wow. So there there was one that was in storage, and and that you would throw in the back of the truck and take it out to the rock quarry when we were supposed to be on another planet. And then there was there was uh, one that stayed in the studio. Uh, um, nah. But so I, I imagine that one of them is getting the hell beaten out of it, and the other one isn't. <laughs> but, but the one we're seeing in Brandon Morbius would have been the studio version. So yeah, so yeah. I, I I really don't know what um, what the story is about that. But yeah, that struck me too. Even though I was I was sort of prepared for it, it's like um, that. It seems like a funny choice. But yeah, but our current TARDIS is they seem really pristine. <laughs> yeah, in comparison, they really do. But yeah, and I think now that I say that, I'm thinking that I wonder if that's a conscious choice on the show's part because we've 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 mentioned again and again and again that the TARDIS is invulnerable, practically yeah. invulnerable. Um, 
so yeah now we're now i think we're trying to make that uh, visually apparent uh, as the show goes on but i don't know yeah. But yeah, <laughs> a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of uh, the uh, set wonkiness that uh, that typifies uh, classic Who in this one. Um, you know, there there's some things that are a little wobbly and a little, uh, and, and you know, the the Morbius monster is uh, he's got this kind of fur thing going down his back, but, uh, <laughs> which usually conceals the big zipper, but sometimes it doesn't. And uh, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> all right. So let me ask you something, Lee. Uh, you know, Solon or Doctor Solon. Yeah, um, in which I know you like saying his uh, first name really well, so I'll let you say that. <laughs> what about He's him? Hindri yes. Uh, so, what about him? Really, as a character, because I remember you listed him as one of the candidates in our top villains. So, what about him oh, yeah. spoke to you? I, I love his um, his passion. I just because it actually makes some sense. I mean. It, we, 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 I've talked before about how I'm not impressed by characters um, in our in our fantasies that are just crazy, and uh, and Doctor Solon is of course um, he's gone over the edge. Yeah. But but he's still he's still after what he was after you know when he was in medical school or whatever. <laughs> that the the way the way this um, the way this script is written gives him the opportunity to show again and again that he really wants to just get this right he really wants to solve this problem you know and he knows that his reward for this is going to be that he's going to be uh, remembered for all time you know and and his and, and so morbius is there to serve his purpose and of course from morbius's point of view solon is there to serve his purpose so you know you know how that's going to end up, right? <laughs> you know? um, one of them is going to destroy the other, maybe both. You know, it's um, and and I just love that. And Philip Madoc, who is one of those uh, actors, if you if you could see a lot of British TV of the '60s and '70s, he was on absolutely everything, and he's always just brilliant at playing a wide variety of characters. And his commitment to Solon is, um, you know, just uh, as an actor, I just, I, I admire it tremendously. Um, that look, just, here's just one little example. When, when the doctor and Sarah come in out of the rain, that look he gives the doctor, you can see it. It's all in his eyes. It's like, OMG, I'm going to take that head off and I'm going to put Morbius' yeah. brain in there. I can, he, he can, he's plotting the whole thing out and he communicates to that to us. <laughs> I don't, it's, it's, uh, it's impressive. So, well said, well said. I couldn't agree more. So, Clarence, what did you think about him? Oh, uh, man, it makes me rethink our top villains uh, <laughs> now that we brought it up, because he's a really compelling villain. I mean, oh, man, the giddiness, like Lee just mentioned, of, of you know, he count, he was subtle with it, but there's definitely giddiness of seeing the doctor walk through the doors. And, man, um, I don't know what... I really liked him as an actor and I liked his position on, you know, I'm going to take this research way further than it should go. But I have to admit, I was a bit confused on how that tied into, tied into the whole cult of Morphe, Morbius uh, thing. I don't know if the cult part was explained a whole lot in, in these episodes, but we know he was a follower, follower of Morbius. Um, and, what I gather, Morbius's purpose was to get the elixir of life from the sisterhood somehow. That's kind of why he destroyed the planet, uh, decimated that planet. But I'm just trying to figure out what is 
uh, hit, uh, Salon's, um what is his role in, in being part of the cult of Morbius that was mentioned? Lee, do you have a thought? I, I really don't. And it's, it's, I'm sure somebody has written, you know, a backstory novel about Solon and Morbius. I mean, that's, it seems like that's too good to pass up. Um, because what, what we, by the time we enter this story, what we have is what's left of Karn and it's nothing now, but <laughs> Solon and the sisterhood, which are yeah. conveniently within walking distance of each other. But, uh, <laughs> that's a convention of sci-fi and fantasy though, right? <laughs> yeah. The only people on the planet, the only two warring factions are, yeah, and you can walk from one to the other. Now, I'm not sure exactly if this is accurate or if I read this somewhere. I always looked at it as you bring, you know, you bring back the great bad, whatever the great bad is, and you and 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 you have that impression or that thought that if I bring back the great bad, the great bad when the great bad gets here is going to reward me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. That's that's the, I think that was re- really whether it be fame, whether it be money, whether it be notoriety, whether it be power, what it was. What can Morbius give me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone he, he's got it all figured out. Really, is that he, he's not only going to become the most brilliant neurosurgeon you know of all time. He knows this is going to make him a legend, but he's yeah. also going to bring back this fellow who apparently he worshipped <laughs> as if he was God. Yeah, he's going to be the one who did it. Imagine what Morbius is going to do for him. But, you know, like like all megalomaniacs in our fiction, he's also missing something. He's stupidly missing that if 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 Morbius was willing to go as far as he did to to have, you know, sole ownership of the elixir of life. Well, Morbius surely plans to make to, to his end goal is for him to be the one who's immortal and nobody else. You know, so let's yeah. let's shift. I'm sorry, Clarence. Go well, ahead. Well, I, I was going to just you know kind of tie in how um, I guess the sisterhood be- came under the impression since Morbius was after the elixir of life that it was the quote unquote time lords that was after it, and it, it's kind of cool to see this cascade of how they've been pulling ships out of the sky that got anywhere near their planet yeah. to prevent any any time Lord from, from finding them. I thought that was a really cool tie in and to see like the graveyard of ships there. And, you know, when they see the doctor pop up, they're just like <laughs> utterly afraid. Like, why are you here? And I, I, I just like how that story all tied in together. I thought it fit in really, really nicely. And before we go any further, um, we mentioned Tom Ber- Baker's doctor walking into the room and more in a uh, salon, seeing him. I want to say that I have to eat a little bit of crow because I never really got the whole Tom Baker thing. And I'm sure I've seen him in some episodes before because I've seen some classic who growing up, you know, just my memory is not the best when, you know, shows I saw that long ago. But, man, I have to, you know, totally give, give hands down to you guys and say Tom Baker is freaking awesome, man. He is so magnetic and I, I totally get why you guys love this 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 actor so much. He is the doctor through and through, and man, I just believe everything he's spouting. Man, he's just so wonderful. <laughs> and finally, after all of these years, after <laughs> watching from two thousand and five up to uh, I think it was the time of the or the Matt Smith somewhere in Matt Smith's era, but finally after all this time, I've got you saying the tom baker 
or that Tom Baker, or just you're talking about yeah. Tom Baker, you're watching Tom Baker. That is freaking cool. There you are. Now come along, Doctor. You're supposed to be in the sick bay. Am I? Don't you mean the infirmary? No, I do not mean the infirmary. I mean the sick bay. You're not fit yet. Not fit? I'm the doctor. No, doctor. I'm the doctor, and I say that you're not fit. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. But speaking about talking about Tom Baker, so tell me kind of what you guys are maybe think of this. If you look back or you think back at the at the uh, era that it was, which was, you know, in the mid-70s. And I guess even further back, if you go back to the Hartnell era, era, or if you go back to the second Doctor with Troughton, and really and truly, if you go back to, like, the third Doctor, with some of the scripts, and again, I know in the 80s, I don't particularly care for some at the very end of the John Nathan Turner um you know, the, the John Nathan, Nathan Turner era. And Lee, you've made the comment before that with what they had with the construction, I mean, not the construction, but the constraints by the BBC trying to uh, get it canceled with the Michael Gray, you know, fiasco and all that back and forth. But with, with you know, but back to back to the 75 and back to this particular story, you know, sometimes, and I know that it was the Frankenstein thing and all that, but sometimes this, the dialogue is a little staged a little bit or a little bit stoic, but it goes back to what Clarence just said. The portrayal that Tom Baker did, and yes, you know, we've got Elizabeth Sladen there, and you've got the, you know, really small cast of people, but Tom Baker just his portrayal from the physical things to the non-physical to just the presence. It's just like, or is it just me? But is it just like he really and truly embodies and just pulls it off? Yeah, that's well said. You you do. You believe it, don't you? Because he believes yeah. it. You know, as ridiculous as it is. Yeah, but, man. Yeah, that seriously, one of my favorite things in all who is this that whole conversation with just between him and Mara when when they first uh, have uh, teleported him and they're threatening him with death i just, i love that exchange so much and it's just because of the way he plays it it's there's a hundred different ways you could play that scene but yeah. you know he's just um but to me yeah that's it that, <laughs> that's it's like that's the fourth doctorness right there it's just his 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 uh his dogged refusal to let them see him be scared you know, yeah, because man. he he is their equal. But the so the fact that they've got him tied up is immaterial. <laughs> you know, he's just going to keep talking. You know, and apparently he always carries some some pliers in his pocket. Is that his thing? Is that his flute? <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> really. The, really, the fourth doctor joke was that his pocket his pockets are um, apparently bottomless. Which you know, we, that's not something that had ever really been asked as a question until the 10th Doctor, is whether or not his pockets are also bigger on the inside. <laughs> but uh, in, in Genesis, the Daleks, they, uh, they, uh, they, they basically frisk him. They make his turn out his pockets, and it takes a while. Turn out your pockets. Certainly. Might take some time. 
that's pretty he has, cool. But but he always has. But he does always have the yo-yo, and um, and a bag of jelly babies, which apparently those are being refreshed from time to time. And um, yeah, a couple other things. Well, the fireworks were in there. Pretty much um, whatever he needs for whatever the story calls for. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like that's like that's somehow been prepared in advance. He's just got all of this stuff in his pocket, and this this turns out to be useful. But yeah, <laughs> pair of pliers. No. Yeah, but yeah, that that was very convenient, and I thought it was really awesome when they went to break free from their imprisonment in the room, and he didn't have the Sonic. He said it was in the TARDIS. I'm like, man, this is awesome. He doesn't have it for a change. Yeah, and and I, and how they attempted to escape, I like that because it was science. You know, he he made some. Um, what cyanide based thing to put in the vent. I thought that was really cool. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was cool to see him not use the Sonic <laughs> to get out, use science a little bit, though how improbable it probably was. Well, <laughs> but, I don't know. It, it makes sense. But yeah, it, it <laughs> I do always think it's funny when you say, well, that show was educational. See, kiddies, you learned how to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> so I'm interested to see when we get to the review of the Day of the Doctor and you see the curator, if seeing it in your perspective, Clarence, is different this time watching it, now having a actual recent memory of Tom Baker as the Doctor. Yeah, yeah I, I can already see why there were man tears, man. Definitely. Yeah, yeah that, that was a special moment. But it's even more fun to watch Night of the Doctor in perspective of Brain of Morbius. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, finally, some of that makes some sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so before we get yeah. to that, I, I do want to say, even with the um, in, in the Day of the Doctor, not just the verbal acting that Tom Baker did, but the physical acting from the, um, if you'll remember in one of the episodes of uh, Brain of Morbius, he does the... Uh, flicking of his nose like you know who knows kind of thing and he does that again uh, you know to Matt Smith's 11th Doctor and the Day of the Doctor yep. so but but yeah let's get into uh, the Sisterhood and the Night of the Doctor the Doctor has returned to Khan we have always known in our bones that one day he would return here hmm yeah, first can I say though sisterhood really remind me of um the 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 women the witches on Doom. Yeah Doom. the Bene Gesserit, yeah. Yeah, they they were really just like them almost. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and for a lot of the same reasons. Um uh, I, I have to think that Terrence Dix and the other writers in the show that they were all Frank Herbert fans, because I think a lot of those ideas from Dune turn up in on the show, especially during this this period. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, the Bene Gesserit are, they're, they're, they're basically eternal and they are closed under themselves and they can see into the future and things like that. And uh, again, another tip of the hat to somebody else's work. So Clarence, did it make you understand or give you another layer to seeing their appearances in modern or better yet? What did you think if you compared to the scenes that we saw in this particular story and bookend it by the one that was in the night of the doctor when you see, you know, Karn again in the modern world, which was that what, 2013. So, you know, what kind of, what, what's your thoughts or feelings or comparisons or whatever on those two? Pretty much 
the the what we saw in the night of night of the doctor is pretty much the same scene we see at the end of this four episode arc in the last few minutes it's pretty much the same thing of how how the doctor gets revived um though they couldn't save him from regenerating in the night of the doctor so yeah i thought that was really cool seeing how that actually where where that all came from you know Mm -hmm. agreed pretty cool yeah, and in the larger context, too, just having the Sisterhood of Karn be vital to that, that mini-episode really, yeah. it acknowledges that Brain of Morbius is like essential viewing. It, yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like they're sort of assuming that, well, of course you know Brain of Morbius. Well, not everybody does. No. <laughs> you know? So, so it, it, does, think, it does work without it, fortunately. But yeah, yeah, because yeah, I had no clue and I mm-hmm. thought it was really brilliant. But having the backstory definitely adds a different layer or another layer to it. But I, I do want to ask in, in the night of the doctor, when the doctor ship crashes on Khan, is that, it, it, I mean, I don't know why his ship crashed. I don't know if we really ever got that explanation. I need to go back and watch it, but <laughs> it does crash on the planet. And that's kind of their thing is to crash ships. Yep. So I wonder, was that another <laughs> nod to, to uh, what happened in Morbius? I was curious about the same thing and I went back and looked at it and that's not, uh, I don't think it's addressed directly because the ship has already been damaged and is, and is crashing right. ah. when the story begins. Yeah. I, but, I think it yeah. could, you know, like Lee said, it, it could go either way. It could uh-huh. be, you know, they crashed it or, uh, or they could have crashed it. Well, three ways they could have crashed it because it was a ship. They could have crashed it because they wanted the doctor to go and fight and they turn him into the war doctor or uh-huh. it, it could have already been damaged. So you've got, you know, maybe three different options there. Yeah. It's nice. It's a little Rorschach blot. You, you can see what you want to in that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, like on the sisterhoods and the sacred flame, you know, they have this dilemma to where the flame is, is at the verge of, of going out and, Again, the doctor solves it with science. That's right. <laughs> and, it's, and it's funny how I think we mentioned this before, how any technology um, so many years removed can seem like godlike powers or mm-hmm. something to that effect. I don't know yeah. the exact phrasing yeah. there, but 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 yeah, they see this um, this uh, religious type thing going on with the flame and. You know, the doctor, being the doctor, just sees science and, and solves the problem, which I yeah. thought was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, your, your chimney's sooted up is all. <laughs> Here. <laughs> and and he's right. That's the brilliant part, is it? <laughs> he's right. Yeah. So so now they're in his debt. All right. We have another character, Kondo, who is, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, who was the... I, uh, assistant to Frankenstein, my brain, I, I don't remember. Who was it? Well, it, there really isn't one. Uh, Igor? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's not until the later films that we get uh, uh, Igor, but yeah. Because um, uh, in, the, in, the, in the origin, in James Wells' Frankenstein, there's no such character in the books, but in the, in the 1932 film, 32, 33, um, yeah, his assistant is a uh, there's a guy named Fritz who is uh, not uh, not a moron, <laughs> you know. So yeah, so yeah, it's going to be Igor. Yeah, he he is sort of the Igor guy, and um, and I I I've 
I was just thinking, well, actually, I was just uh, playing with my uh, Morbius monster action figure <laughs> and uh, being touched again that this is this is one of the little touches in this script that I think makes it kind of makes it a cut above a lot of the, the other scripts is just the, the poignancy of, of the soul on taking Kondo's arm, I guess, while he was oh. asleep. And using it as part of his his chop suey monster that he's putting together, and then he can use that to manipulate Kondo. You know, I'll give you your arm back when you, you know, that's yeah, that is that, so that is so low. <laughs> but it also you can also see it from Solon's point of view. Go, okay, that makes sense. Now he's got Kondo where he wants him. But man, <laughs> he took his arm. Yeah, and I, I don't know if Kondo didn't realize that he still had no, the arm, no, but when Kondo he saw wasn't. it, when he saw it on the 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 the. Uh, the, the big monster thing that yeah. turned into uh, Morbius. Uh, he was like, my arm, you know, I was like, oh man, my heart kind of sunk for a little bit. Yeah. I thought kind of <laughs> was a, a murderous uh, psycho, but yeah. <laughs> uh, my heart still, I'm like, oh man, Solon is crazy. He's, he's, he's heartless. He yeah. is very heartless. He is completely heartless. Yeah. And then um, I thought another good interaction with Kondo when he, um, saw Sarah Jane uh, <laughs> I guess when she ran out of the, the lair or whatever at first uh, Kondo was like uh, pretty Kondo like or something like that <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty funny so yes he's also kind of King Kong he's also yeah the Frankenstein monster he, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. well, well I, I did like the fact that um, Kondo wasn't just your typical henchman you did have the layers of him realizing that, you know, Solon was up, you know, maybe tricking him, him seeing the arm on the monster, etc. He wasn't just your typical one-off, no, um, no development, yeah. bad henchman, whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, but Cl- uh, Clarence, this also was your first uh, modern uh, encounter with, Sarah Jane from the classic. And what were your thoughts? Uh, and I, I have a feeling you weren't impressed. But before you respond, let me just say this and just kind of uh, give a disclaimer of, of sorts. <laughs> Even though you know that, like, the way you are with Clara saying, oh, you know, here's Clara and Clara's my favorite, blah, 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 blah. Even though you know all of that. Yeah, Sarah Jane is like my ultimate companion, <laughs> and you know I am probably not the only. You know I know I'm not the only Sarah Jane fan out there. So just preface that with what you're about to say. But you know, feel free to say whatever you want. But there you go. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to say anything that would anger the Sarah Jane fans out there. <laughs> but um, I wasn't really impressed with what I saw. Um, from her, I mean, she played the typical companion. Um, I thought some of the stuff she had to do in the in the arc was interesting as far as being blind because we haven't seen that before in modern who. Um, that's I, I thought that was pretty at least cool. for a companion. Yeah, at least that's for a right. Companion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Do it you're to right. the doctor instead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, but as far as her role in this whole arc, I don't think it was that impressive, with the exception of her, I guess, sleuthiness by infiltrating the Sisterhood lair and 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 freeing the Doctor. I thought that was pretty cool. So I have to give her some big props for that because I thought that was pretty impressive. 
Okay, Lee, how would you, what, what are your thoughts there? I, uh, I, <laughs> uh, sorry, my, my brain just jammed there for a second. Um, yeah, I, I always say that I love Sarah Jane so, so very much. And when I was watching Brain and Morbius, I was thinking, what if I've come to this for the first time and I'm going to, I'm going to sort of assess the character and the strength of this. And I'm, I'm kind of with Clarence. I'm like, this is not Sarah's finest hour. The, the script um, hampers her a lot by, by having her be blind for half of the serial. Um, but he, he, even, even with that, we see her carrying on in her, in her courageous way that I admire. Um, yeah. the, the thing that, that jumped out at me this time, though, was I thought, here's the moment where I love Sarah. When the doctor is drugged, um, you, you notice that we had a quick shot of her um, looking at her goblet, and then she pours it out. And surreptitiously, yes. so yes. she's she's already thinking ahead on this, and she doesn't trust this guy. And uh, it's a little surprising that the doctor does, but so she's one up on the doctor now. So then, when the doctor slumps at his table, she slumps in the chair and closes her eyes. Yeah, that was uh, impressive. Good, good, good. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. so she's she's not just the one who runs around and screams as uh, as some of the other companions had been, but. Uh, but that's a little more typical of, of Sarah Jane when she's being written well by somebody who really cares about the character, which did not always happen. No. Um, but yeah, so I, I really, I really love that. And, and, and as Clarence said, you know, then she she has the guts to go over there and infiltrate the uh, the sisterhood to. Uh, um, and you know, there, there are several of the of this era of stories. This is like a Philip Hinchcliffe era thing where there's a circle of people in uh, in robes and masks. <laughs> And uh, and you can you can join them by just stepping in line, and none none of these cultists notice that there's now eleven of them instead of ten. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's a convention that you have to buy. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And in the sisterhood, there's only a few of them, and they're all in the same room. <laughs> like, can you can you ladies not even count? <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, we, we'll we'll buy it. We'll buy it. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and and I wonder. I know I mentioned the Sonic earlier, but I wonder even at this point in in in, in the seventies, had the Sonic already become the get out of jail free card for doc, the Doctor? Uh, because immediately when the door gets locked and they can't get out, Sarah Jane just kind of casually, you know, almost with a bit of cockiness. Yeah, uh, use the Sonic. Yeah, like you always do. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely had already become something that the writers were starting to regret. So you had things like, yeah, I left it in the TARDIS, mm. which we would never hear now. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, there's actually a moment, um, Kyle. Do you know what episode it is in where the Doctor breaks the fourth mm-hmm. wall? Basically. No, I, I he don't. looks right at the camera and says, "Not even the Sonic screwdriver will get me out of this one." <laughs> oh, uh, oh my God! Yeah, he had a Deadpool moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and it was it had become sort of a joke with the audience, and it's why with the the fifth Doctor, it's actually going to be destroyed. You know, <laughs> we're actually going to watch it burn. And it's like, okay, we've settled that. So um, <laughs> it'll be a long time before we see the sonic screwdriver again. So yeah, I I you know back to Sarah when when mm-hmm. I was watching it, I was thinking exactly what I think you had only was. If I were watching this as a new viewer or experiencing this as the first time, would I say that that was the best Sarah Jane episode? I enjoyed it because I like Fourth Doctor and Sarah together. So, uh, you know, I, I liked it. But looking at it from, okay, what parts is Clarence going to like? 
I yeah. found myself wanting, and 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 mm-hmm. and it was it didn't do the the character Sarah justice. I don't think. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, and a lot of scripts do sort of relegate her to being the one who who is walking backwards into the room so she can bump into something and things like that. And you'll notice that all three of the big cliffhangers in this are about Sarah about to walk into something, you know, that's <laughs> so she's really that, that girl in the, in brain of Morbius. Um, yeah. so falls down uh, some stairs, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> yeah. But you know, uh, here's another thing that I really appreciate as an actor that when she's playing Sarah blind, when Elizabeth Slayton is playing Sarah blind, she's got her eyes open. So she's she's got her hands stretched out in front of her, and she she'll walk towards and she bumps into a table. Well, the actress can see that table coming. Yeah, but she knows the character can't. And I've just I just always have always admired that little moment because she plays it like she cannot see it, and I I, I believe it completely. But of course, the actress can see it. You yeah, know? it's just yeah. Um, she she's great. Uh, so I have to ask, what what do we think about? This being, you know, we're, we're doing classic who reviews, but this is the second one where we've had a um, outcast slash disgruntled time lord um, wreaking havoc. It won't be the last. Oh, well, that, that's my question. Uh, is this no. a reoccurring theme? <laughs> no, this is. Uh, and. And I, I've often thought that this is one of the reasons why I will eventually create the character of Romana, because she and the doctor seem to represent the only benign, <laughs> mentally healthy Time Lords that there are. Because every other one that we meet is somehow deranged. And, um, we, you know, maybe that's, in, maybe that's consistent with the internal logic of all of Doctor Who, that, that Time Lords are nuts. But, yeah. Um, or at least self, you know, self-righteous, you know, um, just sort of pompous, arrogant twits, you know. But those are the best ones. <laughs> you, you know, speaking of Romana, the first yeah. appearance of Romana with the first actors, you know, the first version of Romana was one of my favorite classic Who moments. The interaction uh between the two and basically Clarence, she comes out and she says her name, which is Romana, you know, this big, long name. <laughs> and the doctor, the fourth doctor is leaning down, doing something with K9. And he looks up and says, Oh, I'm so sorry. Can I get you? Can, is there anything we can do for you? Or something to that effect. <laughs> yeah. Like, like she's just explained. She has a medical condition. Yeah. That's right. It was. This is actually my one of my, one of my son's favorite moments in the whole series. He would quote that often. <laughs> so, so he wants to call her Romana, and she doesn't want to be called Romana because that's not her name. And he says, "Well, it's either that or Fred." One more thing, your name. What about my name? It's too long. By the time I've called out, look out. What's your name? Romana Dvaratna Lunda. By the time I've called that out, you could be dead. I'll call you Romana. I don't like Romana. It's either Romana or Fred. All right, call me Fred. Good. Come on, Romana. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> it, and and that, that kind of makes me think of how big of a change they made with New Who, or almost risky in a way of of, you know, 
Gallifrey being missing or or destroyed or whatever uh, by the time we get the new Who, mm-hmm. and and they're giving away a wealth of potential enemies as well. You know when they do that in in, in a large sense. So uh, it, it it's just it's. You know, just looking at the new Who, we don't get a whole lot of, of Time Lord villains, and that's just something that's very different yeah. from classic. And maybe because we wore it out up to you know the, from the '60s to the '80s, because there were a slew of them. Yeah, um, but yeah. That's just like the it, inevitable question: Is the War Chief from the Second uh, Doctor's era the same person that is that became the Master? Because, you know, a lot of people yeah. speculate that that was a younger version of the Master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. It, that's one of those, yeah, that, it, wasn't that actually, didn't somebody tie that off in canon? I can't remember. I don't know, or, they, or did they tie it off or dispute it in the books, maybe? Yeah. Oh, but if we're going to talk about canonical problems of Doctor Who, <laughs> 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 let's talk about the eight previous lives of the Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are yeah. are you referring to when they were in that brain machine thing? Mm-hmm. So so I was a bit confused in that. I wondered if, if obviously the first three were the doctor they showed. We recognized them, yeah. But I thought maybe it was switching back and forth between Morbius and the Doctor. That was my impression of it. When we saw those other faces, it was so actually Morbius. With, with no prompting from the outside, that's what you thought. Yeah, that's completely what I thought. Interesting. Yeah, that's great because to me, I always thought, oh, we're seeing the lives of the Doctor before, you know, the ones that were, you know, recorded episodes on TV. You know, we were seeing, you know, this idea of his much previous lives. I didn't think much of them, but, you know. Well, uh, be, just because, the, and I thought the dialogue supported that because Morbius is astonished. How long have you lived? He says, "Oh yeah, you're right." Huh. But, but, <laughs> oh man, it's because huge. That's, because that's now a giant embarrassment in the canon. If if the what we call the first Doctor is not was number nine, you know, <laughs> then yeah, that just blows everything up. So there's been this quiet retcon that no, it's it's arm wrestling. You know, we pushed the Doctor this way, and the Doctor pushed back. So now we're seeing Morbius's previous yeah. incarnations and that's and that's what you went to instinctively which, which you know is good that make that that makes it a good but, retcon yeah but, i mean but but i don't know how much of that is colored by my knowledge that there's only three doctors before him mm. and that's and that's canon you know what i'm saying because right. maybe when right. i saw another one i instantly went to oh that's not the doctors that i know yeah it must, so be, it morbius. must be must be morbius yeah yeah well yeah so for better or for worse, that's now the official interpretation <laughs> of Brain of Morbius. So uh, you know, it's, it's good that you you went there, but but if, yeah, I, but see, I'm afraid. That I think it clearly that was not the intent wow. when they were when they were writing and shooting this. So um, yeah, but look at it, and, and I don't know. No, go ahead. Say again. Oh, I, I, I don't know if you, if you guys know this, but uh, there, there's actually a, a sort of production office uh, backlash about this because that was members of the production team, including Hinchcliffe himself. Uh, and they did just sort of put hats on and, you know, uh, some false whiskers and just to, to stand before the camera and be these other uh, faces of the doctor, um, which, um, you know, according to um, you know, Actors Guild, they're not supposed to do that. That if, if people appear on camera, they're supposed to be actors who are members of the union, and those guys were not. Uh, so, so the show got fined 
Even as an image, a still image? Yep. Huh. Uh, I, I, I don't know how that worked, because obviously if it's a photograph of somebody on the wall, you know, they're not an actor. But uh, but but this was judged to be uh, violating the you know the the BBC's agreement with the uh, with the actors. So you know, they're supposed to cast an actor if they're going to appear on camera like that. So uh, yeah, you just hauling out the writer and you know director and producer is not <laughs> that's not playing the game. <laughs> but, but, so, anyway, you guys kind of have my mind racing now. Do do we know for a fact Ooh. that that is not canon? The dif- the different faces we see. Of, of course, you know we saw where where the doctor's end was supposed to come and he got more regenerations. So who's yeah. to say, you know, before quote unquote first doctor, there was not more doctors before him, you know, who's to say that? I mean, well, maybe some, somewhere along the way, it got established that, that um, time Lords can regenerate 12 times. Yes. So when we got to the 12th doctor, then it became an issue. And, and we did, we did, address that in the series so that that seems to establish for good and all that that the numbering that we think is correct yeah even with dr 8b yeah (laughs) and like the name of the doctor we see the first doctor still in the tardis so i guess that kind of well but that was just on gallifrey so he could have been more I don't know, but but yeah. it's yeah. confusing. But 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 say I'll go back. I'll take you one step further. At Christmas, we will have the first Doctor <laughs> arguing against, saying this whole thing is ridiculous, and he is not going to change. So mm-hmm. you have the first Doctor yeah. saying, "I will not change." No, no, no. The whole thing's ridiculous. Oh, well, you went to the Trump voice there. The, the, <laughs> my, the which one? Trump oh, voice. I didn't know that was that. I, I thought it was. Oh well, I'm messing now, with. Now, if I was doing that voice, I would have said something like, "It's hoes." You know, it's like totally hoes. You know, like people are telling me like it's Trump it's totally voice. like hoes. China, China. I'm going to go to China. <laughs> and to any of our any of our listeners, I really hope that I just didn't offend anybody. <laughs> but yeah, so your your sense of that is that that is this is going to be a story about the first doctor fighting this change happening for the first the generation. Time. Yes, it, that we're going to we're going to make it clear that this has never happened to him before. Yeah, that settles it. <laughs> it would, but uh, yeah, and you know the I've always thought it very handy. That the interpretation of those other faces that that's that's Morbius's past lives, you know that's that's very convenient. It's it's great that that's a, an option because otherwise it would be really difficult. To, to, yeah. <laughs> well, it would be really difficult if they said verbatim in the story, "Oh, look, Doctor, I've seen your first seven lives." <laughs> but they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At least there wasn't a line like that. Yeah. That would be yes. hard to overcome right but, there. But also look at it from this perspective. In 1975, these writers were not intending or even thinking that in 2017, this show would still be on the air. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's kind of um, amazing. I have right here at my elbow a, a paperback book uh, about uh, the making of Doctor Who. And uh, it was made not long after um, Morbius aired. So huh. 
it's it's all it, it, the, the language throughout the book is there there have been four doctors you know here's tom baker <laughs> the current doctor you know uh, yeah imagine funny. can you think of another tv series where four actors have played the same role <laughs> we can't <laughs> like, wow. oh you have no idea yeah spoilers <laughs> exactly <laughs> Four, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like speaking of Omega, just one last time, I thought it was kind of <laughs> cool in How the Three Doctors. Omega was the the body without a head, and and now in this we have the brain without a body. Yeah, so that's I right. That was pretty cool. Oh yes, rogue body parts are always are always good. <laughs> Interesting, fodder, you know. I mean, that's why that's why we got to be looking around for Kondo's arm. You know, it's just because. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sarah Jane's swan song is going to involve a, a hand that gets around by itself, too. So that's more Hinchcliffe era. So, yeah. It's interesting, Clarence, that you're finding points of view that, that, that I've not considered myself. So that's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, gentlemen, um, we've not talked about Morbius himself, per se. We've talked about about him but not the character character morbius what what did you guys think of morbius the, the and the brain and the jar <laughs> um i think that he came to terms with being in such a monstrous body a lot better than i thought he would <laughs> because uh, i think uh the doctor kind of taught some him and sarah jane and he was like oh <laughs> Uh, this is the body I wanted. I can do so much more. Blah blah blah. Like you wanted that body, okay? <laughs> um, I think, and also, if why wasn't it just Cylon's intent to just put the brain into the doctor into a functioning body? But I guess going back to his whole ambition of being this doctor who puts puts these parts together, that was kind of his pursuit of science and. However monstrous this thing wound up being, you know, that was what he was planning to put the brain into. So that's that I found that very interesting. Mm-hmm. It It is more fun that way. At least it's a lot more visually interesting to have uh, this uh, this thing that they've cobbled together out of various parts. So and they call him Chop Suey Galactic Emperor, you know. I always wondered where the um, vo- was he telepathic, or where did the voice come from? I'm assuming he was telepathic. Oh, I always thought there, there there's a device that we keep seeing on camera that I that looked to me like it's supposed to be the the resonator yeah, that's, okay. that's making his voice. It was vibrating. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then there's a similar apparatus inside the bubble uh, on top of the the finished monster. Uh, okay. So. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting a little attention to uh, keeping the design consistent, <laughs> but but yeah, I I I think I, I I do enjoy the fact that a lot of the science of of making a body out of spare parts is just <laughs> is is so absurd, and I I you know I mean the the brain actually gets dropped on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. Oh, are you okay? I don't know if I'm going to revive him now. Uh, yeah, so no, weird. probably not. <laughs> but they do it anyway, you know. It's okay. Oh, yeah, that was so good. I, I mean, speaking of Morbius again, um, and we talked about the, the mind-bending machine thing already, but I thought it was so weird how, 
you know, they're about to go, maybe fisticuffs, maybe, I don't know. But the doctor's like, let's play this Gallifreyan mind-bending game and they go at it. And Morpheus is like down for this. Like, it's almost like, let's have a dance battle or something. Yeah. I was like, wow, really? Okay, <laughs> I'm down for it. <laughs> yeah, that may mean something different to Time Lords than it does to us. Because, yeah, he, he's, he is, he's super eager to do this thing. It's, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it's the equivalent to uh, fencing or something. Um, M- mind fencing. Oh, yeah. th- there you go. That works. Is, is that what he calls it? He, no, I just he, said that. Maybe he made that. Maybe he does it on guard, but. The, the, yeah, the, the doctor does call it something like that. Like, like it's, uh, yeah, mental jousting or something. But he does compare it to some other. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I've always thought of it as, as as arm wrestling. It just does look like you know they kind of are pushing each other back and forth a little bit, tug of war. But yeah, fun but, idea. But I think it could be interesting if they, even in modern, who if they explored a little bit of of uh, Morbius's uh, ascent to mm-hmm. to power. I think that could be a pretty interesting art because you know he seems like a very formidable uh, foe. Um, and the fact that he's decimated this planet and, and you know, pretty much driven the sisterhood crazy to a point. Yeah. I think that's that's very interesting. And I would like to see how he actually winds up in the jar, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Somebody somebody must have written the the novel or, you know, the big finish has done a, a Morbius backstory or something because the sisterhood, uh, they are certain that Morbius cannot exist in any form and mara says she she was there she saw his execution and he was scattered to the nine corners of the universe always like that now we know the universe has nine corners (laughs) and uh but 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 apparently before that happened somebody had smuggled out his brain so yeah i'd like to know how you do that yeah exactly Maybe it was a younger Saul and just, uh, you know, creeping in the background, cutting the head yeah. open when nobody's looking. Exactly. I can save you. <laughs> Wandering <laughs> off into the night. That's it. It's a pretty desperate plan, but yeah. <laughs> it almost works. So, gentlemen, are we ready to give our reviews of how we think uh, our our final thoughts on, on the brain of Morbius? Can I mention a few more things really quick? Sure, absolutely. Uh, one thing I thought was cool, but I didn't really understand, was at the end of the episode when the TARDIS leaves, it goes out in the flame, <laughs> sort of flicker explosion. The fireworks, yeah. Yeah, like, does it always do that in in, <laughs> in, uh, in uh, Forrest's era? Uh, nope. Pretty weird. No, nope. nope. Only that once. <laughs> it's, wow. It's, it's a joke about the fireworks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, I, I get it. I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I've never liked that. I, I just always thought that was silly. And I, <laughs> I did too. And I thought it was really, really cool how the um, when Sarah runs in and the doctor, he's playing dead. <laughs> and he says, playing dead always works. I thought that was really funny. And I wanted to ask you guys. Does he do that often? This is like a, a throwaway line that he's given. Hmm. Yeah, I can't think of another occasion, but ah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, there may well be, so, yeah, but yeah. I can't think of one either. We, I just know that the two of them played off of each other very well. Yeah, that's it. It's just, yeah, and you know, once I was saying that this is probably not the best episode to introduce somebody to Sarah Jane with, uh, I was thinking, well, then what is? 
but I'm not sure I can point to, to any particular episode. It's what I've always loved is that, um, well, for one thing, I just think she's the cutest thing, but, but also just, uh, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm aware that I said Katie Manning was the, just the cutest thing last time. So <laughs> I'm did. very, very <laughs> fickle about this. But, but, uh, but, but it is. It's about chemistry. I just love Tom Baker and Elizabeth Sladen, and they, um, they famously just adored each other. And uh, yeah. um, when they, when they had to do their their parting scene, and they, this is one of the times when a companion got a proper send off. Um, famously, they, uh, they had a script, and the two of them just, you know, got to set and said, "This is, this is not." This is not appropriate for these two characters. I mean, it would it would round the characters off, but you know, and so they ad libbed. Uh, huh. The director, you know, this is very rare in, in TV like this, but yeah, the director said, you know what? I think the two of you can can come up with something, and they did. And what happens in Hand of Fear at the end of Hand of Fear? They they ad libbed that. I think it's beautiful. It is, and it's it's hauntingly sad. Yeah, because in in the there's an episode of the Sarah Jane adventures where she sees, well, we think, but it's the last conversation that she has with the 10th doctor before the end of time where he, you know, goes back and visits Sarah. Yeah. But it is the almost reverse of um, the conversation they had yeah. at the end of hand. Of That's Fear. Right. Except this time it is, the doctor saying the Sarah lines and uh, the set, you know, Sarah saying the doctor. Yeah. Lines. They did a, a very deliberate re- recapitulation of that. It's very nice. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it is, it's, it is all about the, 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 uh, the chemistry between uh, uh, Tom Baker and Elizabeth Sladen. And uh, love that. Just love it. We do in brain of Morbius. So we also learn uh, how old the doctor is. Um, something that he would he would always be kind of dodgy about um, the second and third doctor. We know the second doctor had a 500 year diary that we would see him writing in sometimes. And the third doctor puzzled us once by saying that he's been around for thousands of years, <laughs> which you, you can take that in any number of ways, you know, that he he's witnessed thousands of years of human history. I, I can I can understand that. But it it it, it confused people for a long time. But but yeah, when the sister had told the, the doctor that, that his death is near, he says, what? I'm only 749. <laughs> Life doesn't begin until. Yeah. yeah so that, an honorable mention thing I wanted to, to bring up is uh, <laughs> when um, Sarah goes in and saves the doctor from the sisterhood and they run out and it's like a chase ensues and Instead of continuing continuing to run, they like dip behind a rock. It's so obvious they're in sight, but the people chasing after them just like go straight through the tunnel and don't even look to the side. I like that's so hilarious. I like rolled on the ground laughing, but just about how did they not see them? That's right. Well, when you've only got twenty feet of set, you know, (laughs) the chase can't go on for very long. So yeah, yeah, I thought that was funny anyway. Think of television in the 70s where you would, especially police or, or a private eye or some type of crime drama where you would have someone hiding behind a plant, uh, like a potted right. plant, and people walking by and, oh, I didn't see you standing behind exactly. a plant. Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> but, uh, well, uh, I'll say it again. Wait until we get to the five doctors. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> If if you if you didn't buy that chase, then 
boy. Just you wait. <laughs> Which is next up on our list. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I do recommend the Rift Tracks version if it's available. I, 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 uh, I, uh, that was in theaters. I guess they haven't, they haven't been able to put that out on DVD yet. But uh, anyway. So, five doctors. All right. So, any other thoughts, gentlemen? <laughs> I don't think so, Mr. Brown. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm ready to give give some scores. All right. So uh, since this is Mr. Shackelford's favorite, uh, or one of his, is is this your favorite? That's a good question. I, I guess of of classic Who, it's the one that I've I've watched and rewatched the most. So that probably says something right there. I just never get tired of it. So um, yeah, this is probably my favorite. Uh, classic who so what, what did you think uh looking at it again i uh, i had uh, just as we were saying i was i was a little surprised that uh, this is not uh, sarah's finest hour but uh, still still thoroughly enjoyed the uh uh the um uh, chemistry as always oh and the other thing that i noticed this that i remembered this time that i had forgotten about is that i want one of uh, i want a ring like mara's <laughs> that would be a handy thing to have wouldn't it Yes, it would. Just every now and then, just bow, you know? <laughs> People from across the room and, yeah. Make them blind. Exactly. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you know me. So, five out of five. That's I, I, I love everything about Brain and Morbius. All right, Clarence. Um, I'm actually going to have to go right with Lee there. I <laughs> really, really enjoyed this, this, this uh, four episodes. I thought it was great. And yeah, I mean, I have to kind of go like what I said with the, uh, the 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 very first series we reviewed. I mean, I think this is one that Who fans should definitely watch. It, it was really good, really good. All right, so you saying five out of five? Yeah, def- five out of five. Yeah, right. loved it. Loved All right. it. All right, good deal. Well, it, whoever is listening to us, we hope that you've enjoyed. And we'll let us know what you think. Did you give it a five out of five? Did you get a four out of four? Or did you, you know, what was your rating? So, uh, what's, what's your score, Kyle? Ah, you, yeah, you're, um, you're, you're still on dental meds, so you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, what do, you know? What it is, it, for several reasons. It's the Doctor and Sarah gets a five. It's a classic Doctor Who. You know, that's that that's. It got the doctor and Sarah. It gives you know. It gives it a five. Lee, I respect your opinion. So the fact that you like it, it gives <laughs> it gives it a five. Uh, Clarence, this is uh, interesting for me to see you watching while I'm knowing that you're watching. Not not when you watched it years and years ago, but seeing Doctor Who classic and curious to see how it will impact what you think of doctor who present makes it another five so uh five all around yeah yeah i never was bored man never was bored loved it yeah (laughs) good deal good deal would you uh lee what else might you be working on not much not much i have concluded the second uh, uh serial or fit or whatever you call them of uh of relativity so um Right now, I'm just trying to teach my classes and keep my head above water. So, good. But deal. Uh, there, there will be more relativity in the future. I promise. Oh yeah. Because there's no way I'm going to leave people hanging like I did at the end of episode twenty. <laughs> so, 
Got you. All right. Well, Clarence, what else are you working on? Uh, So I do another podcast called the STD Podcast, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. It is not about uh, venereal health. No, no, not at all. Uh, (laughs) Blame Paramount. Don't blame me. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Can you believe that they chose that? I mean, they have to have known what the acronym is going to be. Yes, (laughs) but but they're they're going boldly with it. So there you go. I'll go with it as well. Uh, but yeah, so we have the new episode coming out on the, this Sunday, and I can't wait for that. And we'll, of course, be reviewing that on our podcast. So yeah, if you're interested in Star Trek, you should definitely check it out at stdpodcast.com. Cal, what about you, man? Well, just like you just said, I am honored to be a part of the Star Trek Discovery podcast that you're doing. Um, kind of interesting for me because while I've watched Voyager and I've watched you know some of the others Voyager of course being my favorite I like not being our well you know I have to give Lee um, more credit than uh, I have for knowledge of Doctor Who but I like being a part of something where I'm not the one uh, talking I'm learning as I'm going so that's cool so yes uh, very cool being on that with uh, you guys Lee and I of course can also be found on Doctor Who Podshock and you and I Clarence can also be found on our YouTube channel which is easily found at youtube.discussingwho.com we're talking a little bit of more comic related stuff uh, you know comic book stuff so we've got some stuff coming up from there So uh, check us out on there if you're listening. And for anybody listening, we thank you once again for spending some time with us tonight. We appreciate your time or tonight, this morning, uh, whenever you're listening to us, we appreciate it. And we also want to tell you about something new that we've got. If you're familiar with Patreon, you can go to patreon.com backslash discussing who it's just a way that you can support the show get a little bit of extra content and help make sure that we continue growing the podcast in the future so anything if you would like to contribute that would be great um you know go check out what some of the perks are and uh just kind of give us some feedback and speaking of feedback if you have some feedback that you want to send you can do that by uh doing a voice recording you can do that and emailing that to us at discussingwho at gmail.com or you can record it on your smartphone or Android device or, well, that is a smartphone, but you get what I'm saying, uh, and send a voice clip to us, um, message it to us on Facebook, uh, however you want to send it. I mean, we are in the technological age and or the age of technology, however you want to see it. Maybe this is still my uh, medicine or my meds <laughs> wearing off. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will be back soon with more episodes of Discussing Who, talking about Doctor Who, comic books, sci-fi, however you want to listen to us, we will be here. So, um, again, thanks for listening. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 
thousand titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices. Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that? You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from Pardon me, you. sir. Message coming in. It's a reminder to our listeners that if they're enjoying what we're doing, they would love Doctor Who Podshop, the original podcast dedicated to the world's longest-running science fiction television series. Apparently, Doctor Who Podshock has been exploring the series and its fandom since the earliest part of the 21st century. Yes, uh, under the creative guidance of Louis Trapani and his many traveling companions. Um, wait, there's more. Yes, they can find Doctor Who Podshock on iTunes or on the web at podshock.net. That seems to be the end of the message. But wait, uh, they should download the latest episode today. Message ends. Over to you, sir.